Father God, we dedicate this time to you. Next half hour or so, we're opening up our hearts and minds, our thoughts, our, our receptors, even, God, to hear exactly what you have for us, God. As that song says, may our words be pure and your words be done in May. We purify our hearts and my mouth, God. We only say to speak. Edifying the word will go forth and change my life and change our lives, God. Please, Holy Spirit, as your word says, if my people would open their mouths wide, I would fill them. May you um, baptize us in the spirit to know the power of your word. In Christ's name, amen. Chapter 5, Book of 1 Peter. First, give you a little bit of background. Not read the Bible before. The first four chapters of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you will see a running theme through those four books. They are called the Gospels, which means good news, and what they are is the story of Jesus Christ. His birth, his growth, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. That's what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are about. And every other book in the Bible. You see a foreshadowing of that or a commentary on it. What's interesting when you read those four books is you're going to see a, a running theme. There's kind of like a Anita in the Bible. Only Anita in the Bible is named Peter. Constantly, constantly having questions. Constantly, constantly, constantly. The Lord has to constantly turn around and go, Peter. Beloved is Peter. Amazing that God took such an unrefined oath like him, a fisherman even, and did such amazing things that he wrote this book and the next book that we're about to study, changing lives for thousands of years. And his life, uh, even though a testimony of, of foot in mouth disease, is also a testimony of doing things that nobody else ever did for God. Like crazy stuff. Bold about his faith, brazen with that attitude, but yet God just knew exactly. Now why is this an important part? Because if you will, I'll read to you while we follow along. Chapter 5, the book of 1 Peter. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Please, let's study verse 1 real quick. Let's just go word by word. Elders, that's just somebody who's a seasoned saint. I find it interesting that even though there's a certain church that considers Peter the first pope, he didn't consider himself a pope, he just considered himself an elder. He said, you that have been doing this thing for a while, I'm the same as you. I witnessed personally the sufferings of Christ, and I'm also saved. I'm a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So if you're like me, with the world in the Lord seasoned, as they call the polite word, you believe in the hope that is to come at your death you'll see him. If you understand the sufferings of Christ on the cross and, and what they accomplished for us, you have passed. 
What is your task? Verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. Before we read the rest of it, the word shepherd is a verb, koi maino. Koi maino. That's the Greek. It literally has multiple meanings. It occurs about 11 times in the, in the New Testament, and it means to feed, to tend, to keep the sheep, to rule, to govern, to furnish pasture for food, to nourish, to cherish, to supply the requisites for the soul's needs. You who are an elder here, you who have found yourself a little bit of seasoning to you, you who believe in the redemptive work of God, you who are saved, you have a job. Let's look around you. Find somebody. To shepherd. To feed. To tend. To nourish their needs. To strengthen them. You must do that. The Apostle Paul felt the same way. He always talked about his son, Timothy. My son, Timothy. My son, Timothy. Everybody needs a Timothy and everybody needs a Paul. Everybody needs somebody over them. Everybody needs somebody under them in the body of Christ. You cannot be an island unto yourself. You cannot find yourself saying, I, listen, I've met so many pastors. And they say, hey, well, can you be a part of my board? Can you be a part of my church team? Can you? And I first question I ask them is, well, I would love to. Uh, who sent you out? Well, uh, I was part of, you know, Big Calvary. And, uh, and um, I, I know who sent you out. Well, God sent me out. <clears throat> Wrong answer. God sent us all out. Stop that. Who sent you out? Who's your oversight? Who's your answer to? When you screw up, who is going to keep you in line? Well, when I hear from God, then they usually get indignant or arrogant. Well, that's, or someone say, listen, that's why I'm calling you. I have a very good friend of mine. His name's Eddie Abraham. He's talked to me here a couple of times. Eddie's my peer. Steve Williams, he's my peer. So it's really humbling when Eddie calls me up and he goes, hey, um, I need you to oversee it. And me and you're like, say, hey, Larry. He goes, I don't care. I don't have anybody else. The church has sent me out. The pastor says, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go out alone. I'm not going to stand out here alone. That's the right heart. And he does. And every month or so, he shows up and he gives me the finances of his church. And tells me the hassles with his wife and problems he's having with some of the body of Christ. And here's my leadership team. And, and he doesn't spend more than $5,000 about phone me first. He doesn't have an obligation to do that. He willingly does that. He puts things in place. People over you, but you also have people underneath you. You can become part of the same, a fat sheep. Where you're taking in so much, you're reading in so much, you're, you're studying so much, but you're not giving out. You're not giving out to anybody. You become fat and lazy. But why would somebody become fat and lazy? I don't understand that. Hold that thought. Listen. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. 
the apostle Peter, who knew something about having an overseer. Now, in case you didn't know this, does anybody know who was under the apostle Peter? Does anybody remember who his, one of his spiritual sons was? Mark, exactly. The book of Mark that we read from the Gospels, actually some people call it the book of Peter. Because even though Mark wrote it, all two, you'll see that those two were always together. He was kind of like his young spiritual son. That's why the funny thing about the book of Mark, it has very little stories about Peter's screw-ups. People like the bread have done that. Again, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Don't cozy up to the rich. Don't do it because the church is paying you. I met with a really nice guy this past week. Really sincere. And he told me he's got this story and this study he wants to share with the body of Christ. So I said, all right, well, come on down. Let, let, let's talk about it. So we meet for lunch, and I hear all about it. And at the end of it, I said, well, what do you think? I said, well, I think we got some great ideas there. Because, well, can I, uh, can, I, can I start sharing this in your church? Our church is a family church. It's an all-volunteer church. If you want to do something at our church, and show up on Sunday, be a part of the body of Christ. And I hear how you've poured your life into other people and how fruitful it's been, and then maybe we'll decide to, to make it an offering. I said, if you want to go out there and do something, you've got some great idea that the body of Christ needs, have your pastor call me. Have your pastor call other pastors and say, hey, we got this dude anointed, an idea from heaven. you got to try it in church. I said, but do you have that? He goes, well, yeah, well, I really don't know the pastor that well. Brother, I love you, Mark. But let me explain to you how this protocol works. Get yourself a yellow piece of paper, write down these ideas, start with your home church. Have at our church this this thing that happens a lot. It happens at least five or six times a year. Somebody can know what ministry you guys need to have in the church. I did a study with uh, what's that? Uh, guy, guy. Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. I did a study with Dave Ramsey. You guys got to do this. I always say the same thing. I go. That sounds great. You're going to teach it. You're going to buy these, these all the books that he charges nice money for. Now, I know that wrong. I like it. I'm just stuck. I don't adhere to it, but I like it. I like self I like people who get self reliant instead of you know investments that are, you know, pay off your stuff. I love that idea. I mean, his guys. But he has. But anytime it's like, you know what? You, you guys need a prayer meeting on Saturday morning.
Right, that was kind of harsh. I'm just, I'm guessing, but I think you guys get the point. And if God's put a burden on your heart, let's do it together. I don't need ideas. I need workers. You guys with me on this? Okay. Verse 3. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Very, very important verse. Now, he goes from telling the subservient, telling the youngers how to behave, to telling the older, Here, here's, here's what you're supposed to do, shepherd. Be a lord. Everybody wants to be a big shot. When you go to a big church, the first thing you figure out is, okay, let's see. First is deacons, and there's elders, and there's a pastor. So if I'm going to climb the ladder at this church, I'm going to climb the ladder at the church, climb the ladder at the church? What the heck are you thinking? The whole idea of church, no more striving. No more striving. God makes me that way. Believe me when I tell you guys, I want you to know that the church is going Okay? We've had two, um, What's when they anoint people in positions? You know, when you get to every year, now you're a deacon, now you're an elder. It's commission, but you know what they do when they, when they, when they make people huh? ordinations. Thank you. We've had two ordinations. And most of the people we ordained left. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. 
From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. <laughs> See what uh, Peter did? <laughs> Sorry, sir. So the Lord is in the middle of the teaching. And Peter interrupts him and says, um, excuse me, that ain't gonna happen. Not on my watch. And as gentle as you possibly can, as sweet and as kind and gentle as a, a King Charles Cavalier Cocker Spaniel puppy, the Lord says to him, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Oh, so sweet. So kind. So gentle. Sometimes, as an overseer, as an elder, sometimes as a shepherd, when you're shepherding somebody, you need to rebuke them. You need to tell them when they're messing up. You see, there's a reason God gave us two years and one not. Younger brothers and sisters, sometimes you do this, and you should be doing this. You have heard my well-documented stories of my upbringing in the church, of how Pastor John Cinelli was the kind and gentle one, while Pastor Jeremino Stefano was the hammer upon my life. When Chet Lowe was the king of beatdown, Jeff Buck was the king of encouragement. Now you might sit and say, wow, you really got close to a lot of pastors. I did. You know why? Because I begged for it. I was willing to get, as I was like a Timex watch, take a licking and keep on ticking. And I thought I had so much that, but here's what I, but here's what I read, but here's what I read. And Chad would say to me, one time he really said this to me, he really said this, right? The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. Do you hear anything with your own voice? That's rude. You're wrong to say that. The Lord Jesus just told Peter to say, I do believe there's only one other person that can call Satan. Satan! Can't you get me to be Feelings all hurt, right? Continuing. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose his brother, loses his life for my sake, you shall find it. Paraphrase? You all got problems, pal. Suck it up, buttercup. Who cares about you? Black privilege or your white privilege or your Hispanic pride or nobody cares in this world. Okay, nobody cares. And guess what? The Lord don't care. The Lord don't care that you have an Asian mommy and a white daddy and nobody cares in the world, okay? Throw it on your back and walk forward.
Matthew 17 and 24. When they had come to the front and those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, Yes, of course he pays the temple tax. And when he came to the house, Jesus anticipated them, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From the sons or from strangers? He said to them, From the strangers. Jesus said to them, Then the sons are free. Pretty high. He's the only other person 
that the Lord called Satan, besides Satan, he's also the only person to walk on the water. Pretty darn good. I don't know if I trade them both, but hey, I'm going to choose the one that Jesus. Now I'm the one who walked on the water. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Jesus, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, With your little faith, why did you doubt? And he got into the boat and when he ceased, that was when the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I love the way Luke puts it. Luke says, What? Man. But we're looking at his discipleship, his shepherding technique. It's filled with highs and lows. It's not a bunch of long stars and niceties, and he mixes them both. He's not afraid to drop the hammer. He's not afraid to be kind. For you here that are wondering, how do I go about shepherding? Well, this is how you go about shepherding. You don't do it for them. But you do it with them. You encourage them. Put them down in their place. This is like my, my favorite. This is my absolute favorite. I love this one. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand, and the other on your left hand, in your kingdom. The Lord's discipling these people, right? Comes and says, Listen, I don't like the way you're discipling my son. It's not going to pass him. Could you imagine the Lord? Jesus answered and said, Do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Are you baptized with the baptism I'm about to be baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. To sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it's for those of whom it's prepared by my Father. Thank you so much 
know how many people, whether it be mothers or fathers or aunts or uncles or cousins or pastors, they want to call you and tell you, here's what you should do with my son. Why did you do that with your son? Okay? Why did you bring him here? Why do you think your boys are following the Lord Jesus and not working at your family business? Because they're sick of you. That's why. That's why. And what happened? Because, because the mother interfered. Because the mother interfered, watch what happened now. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. Like, are you happy now, lady? Not only did you not get the answer you wanted, but now you got everybody else mad at your kid. Now, be easy on your mother. She had the best intention in mind, right? I mean, let's be honest. Mary was just like that, right? Now, some would actually suggest this is Mary's sister or aunt that actually did this. So it kind of was a running theme in the family. Strong women, let's call them, not bossy. Not bossy. So Mary, hey, hey, our son Jesus, we don't have any wine left. She actually said that to her son. Oh, these poor people, they don't have any wine left. He's like, ever had a mom like that? Do something about it, fix it. Okay, I'll fix it. I didn't want you to fix it, I just wanted you to talk about it. Did you want me to talk about it? Did you want me to fix it? Guys, for homework, right? You can, you can watch on YouTube, nail in the head. If you've not seen that video, is one of the funniest, most appropriate videos. It's called Marriage Nail in the Head. Look it later, and when you watch it, call me up and go, dude, classic. Hey, real quick, show hands, people know which one video I'm talking about. Okay, so there's a bunch of them watching. Crazy video. Verse 25, but Jesus called you to himself and said, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among them. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be, to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. You know, I love the way he kind of takes the left turn. He goes, listen to me. He goes, yes, it is important to let that woman understand that she's out of line. And you guys that are mad, I'll tell you, if you want to really be mad, here's what I want you to do. Serve those two brothers. You want to raise them up properly? Serve them. And that's for us. That's for us elders, us overseers. We, they are not our servants. We don't have them come and help us move and come do our law. Well, I want to teach them something about servants, so I have to wash my car. Yeah, I don't think that's ministry. That's taking advantage of this. You follow what I'm saying? So we got to be careful how we, how we do about it. And the Lord explains that to us. Now, what does he do with ladies? Well, there's one really big story about what he does with ladies. There's two sisters, Martha and Mary. Martha comes to the Lord and says, Hey, don't you care that I'm doing all the work? And my sister's doing nothing? And he looks at Martha the same way he looks at Peter and the other apostles. Martha, Martha. So busy, so many things. Is your sister Mary has chosen something that cannot be given? 
called Jesus, and Jesus said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Are they one on one? Lord Jesus is just whipped and beaten. Abused for two days in mock court, he has. Pilate looks at him and goes, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking to yourself about this? Others tell you this concerning. What I love about the Lord is zero fear. In the face of authority, in the face of ultimate authority, Pontius Pilate was the governor. Ultimate authority could have set him free. The Lord Jesus said, Hey, listen, I didn't. No. Who told you about Chutzpah, as they say in Jewish. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servant would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate therefore said to him, You are a king now. Jesus answered, You stay right with me that I am a king. In this cause I was born, in this cause I have come into the world. And I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. How it says to What is true? When he said this, when I again to the Jews and said, I find no fault in him at all. Now, wouldn't it be great if the story ended there? there? This guy did nothing wrong. You guys are jealous. You guys are wrong. But then we know the end of the story. All of a sudden, they write, if you, if you don't crucify him, you're no friend of Caesar. He claimed to be a king. He, you got to do this, and you got to do that. And they started going crazy. And all Pilate was thinking to himself was, there's another writer in the city. Caesar's going to have my head. But if I put this guy to death, my wife's have a bad dream about him. He washes his hands with a bucket of water. I'm free. I am not responsible. Sorry. There's a great scene in the movie Lord of the Rings. They're sitting in Frodo. Just the general covers none of this has ever happened. I wish the ring had never come to me. Frodo and that Gandalf says to him something that we can apply to our lives so incredibly. To sew the wall. That's not for us to decide. What we have to decide is what we're going to do with the time that's given to us. We are living in craziest times. How do we ever wars and rumors of wars and pandemics and pestilences? I mean, it is the end of times. And I'm sorry that your parents didn't have to see these times. Wrong. Your back's going to be put up against the wall. And you're going to have to love your life less than death. And you might have to separate yourself from your job. You might have to. It's crazy time. Well, I don't want this. The one choice we have. The one choice we have. Back to uh, First Peter. Bring it to a close end. This is not being lords over those entrusted to you, but being 
examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will see the crown of glory that does not fade away. Anybody here that's ever been in ministry, anybody here that's ever tried to disciple anybody, you know, if you get one out of a hundred that make it, one out of a hundred that stick to it, one out of a hundred that, that get this message, it's a, it's a miracle in and of itself. Like when you get one person, you'll spend hours and hours. And what I loved about John Chinelli, which he would say something amazing. He would say, you got three chances. You meet me the first time, I'll give you something good. You meet me the second time, I'll make sure you understand. You meet me the third time, if you've got nothing, we're not getting together again. Three strikes for Robert. I did it. We over and over and over. And if this don't work, we try this. And this don't work. Like, listen, he who begun the good work, he'll see it. Do you know how many times me and my wife met with couples and we're like, they're doomed. What a mess. We don't see them for years. Hey, how you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. How did you do great without us in your life? And then he gives some instructions to um, young people. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, you know what? All of you, be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter lays it out. He says, you know what? It doesn't have to be a boss. It doesn't have to be an elder and a deacon. It doesn't. Just, just submit to each other, man. Just be kind to each other. And if your elder beats you up, suck it up, man. Hey, listen. Car is got this little tiny thing right there. It's called the rear view mirror. It's got this gigantic thing called the windshield. Stop looking in the rear view mirror. Don't worry about where you've been. Only focus on where you're going. God resist the proud but was risen humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in your time, casting all your care upon Him for He cares for you. Verse 7 is this should be a new life verse. The word for casting there is the Greek word empiritipto. Empiritipto. It's, um, it means to throw upon, to place upon. But the interesting thing about that word casting is it's what's called an infinite participle. It's a never-ending process. The perfect picture would be like, imagine if you were pushing a rock uphill. Every time you push it, it comes back to you, right? Just cast your care upon it. It's not, the, the implication isn't like, cast your care and it takes it up and out of free now. Like some people think, well, I've got a lot of stress in my life, I'm a little upset, I need to spend more time in prayer. That might not help. What do you mean? You might have to pray a lot more. More than what? More than you've been doing. You know what's going to happen? You'll probably need to pray more. <laughs> it's, there's no, there's no like, well, of course, because I've got the peace of God upon me, because I've read this Bible verse, and no, God is going to give you a little bit more shoulder. You know, I'm saying, hey, man, I'm feeling good. I'm not getting this thing. Why? Who told you? Who told you to 
told me things one thing to talk. I don't understand. Yeah, but I don't have that peace that's the fastest understanding. You're not gonna have it all the time. You're not. Maybe I need medication. No, you don't. I just need to talk to somebody, okay? I'll go to a, um, a Christian psychiatrist. No, 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 no. You're stressed. I came to you to stress his Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. Pastor um, Don Lucy used to always say, people used to always say, and if you know Don, he had this real fast, almost uh, southern hood. Uh, he, uh, rock, rock. The thing is, you do rock. They, they always tell us, listen. He's one of those guys. So good. One time, um, we were doing prep meetings. Hilarious story. And he said, man, I'm rocking. I used to make the CDs for the premiere. I was like the DJ or the worship leader, but all I did was make a CD. And he said, it was Christmas time. I was making very, very special worship. Wow. And I played all these Christmas songs. It's like what he wanted. He wanted worship and Christmas. And they got through and, and we started playing and everybody's in there worshiping. And then, these are really silly Christmas songs. And nobody was really worshiping, they were just kind of listening. And Don Duke's walking, I was in the back of the booth. Walking back. What the hell is this? Or should I say, abuse it? But maybe I said something to you today 
that was when I was still less than you are. I had nobody in mind. Please, your wife didn't call me, your husband didn't text me. I know nothing about what's going on in your life, and, and I'm going to be honest, nor do I care. I've got my own problems. But we need lots of lots. I mean, the best I can get to But something is spoken. Use this communion time. Take a minute. Now, don't partake. We'll, we'll partake together in a celebration, in a celebratory way. But when you get it, now, what this is called is a sacrament of the church. A sacrament. That is a, a, a moment of holiness. Now, when I grew up Catholic. When you grew up Catholic, you couldn't take communion unless you went to confession. Catholics among me, remember? Okay, yeah, that's not the case in the Bible. In the Bible, you take communion as a way to examine yourself. You take communion as a way to go, okay, maybe this is my salvation. Maybe this is my sanctification. Maybe this is my opportunity to just look at my life for a second and go, Alright, I'm gonna get right with God. I'm gonna get right with God today. So although, like, like could you imagine if somebody was like watching on, on TV or something, or somebody was peeking in between the door and they weren't Christians and looking like, what are you doing? I don't know, they've got this little tiny piece of bread and whole cup. What's in the cup?
and exactly what I want. For all things have worked together for good. Thank you. 